Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa lah amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah So today inshallah ta'ala we are continuing with hadith number 25 which is reported by Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu It's authentic hadith in Sahih Muslim and many other books of hadith as well that anna nasan min ashab al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qalu lil-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ya rasulullah ذهب أهل الدثور بالأجور يصلون كما نصلي ويصومون كما نصوم ويتصدقون بفضول أموالهم That some people from amongst the companions they came to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and said to him O Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the rich have taken away all the reward they've ran away with all the reward they pray as we pray and they fast like we fast but they give sadaqah out of the surplus of their riches so you can imagine these are poor people that are saying, they're giving charity, we can't keep up. The hadith continues. قَالَ أَوَلَيْسَ قَدَ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ مَا تَصَدَّقُونَ إِنَّ بِكُلِّ تَسْبِيحَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ وَكُلِّ تَكْبِيرَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ وَكُلِّ تَحْمِيدَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ وَكُلُّ تَهْلِيلَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ وَأَمْرٌ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ صَدَقَةٍ Hasn't Allah Ta'ala made a way for you to give sadaqah? In every tasbih, every time you say subhanallah, there's a sadaqah. Every time you make takbir, saying Allahu Akbar, there's a sadaqah. Every time you make tahmeed, saying alhamdulillah, there's a sadaqah. Every time you say tahleel, which is la ilaha illallah, there's a sadaqah. Enjoining good is a sadaqah. Forbidding evil is a sadaqah. And even in a man having intercourse with his wife, there is sadaqah. Qalu, so they respond to this and said, Qalu, Ya Rasulullah, Ayati ahaduna shahwatahu وَيَكُونُ لَهُ فِيهَا أَجْرٌ قَالَ أَرَأَيْتُمْ لَوْ وَضَعَهَا فِي حَرَامٍ أَكَانَ عَلَيْهِ فِيهَا وِزْرٌ فَكَذَلِكَ إِذَا وَضَعَهَا فِي الْحَلَالِ كَانَ لَهُ أَجْرٌ The companions, they said, O Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is there a reward for the one who satisfies his needs or his passions amongst us? Like if we just, uh, if we're with our wives, we get ajr for this? He, Sallallahu said, tell me, if he were to devote, if he were to do, basically, if he were to do this in a forbidden way, would it not be a sin on his part? So in that exact same way, or similarly, if he were to devote, if he were to do something lawful, or devote himself to something lawful, he should have a reward for it. So he's asking the Sahaba, don't you see that if this person goes about it in a haram way, there's, 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 there's sin, there's ithim against him, it's a ma'asiyah, it's a disobedience, you say, yeah, okay, so in that exact same way, if he avoids that haram and does it in a halal way, then he gets ajr for it. So let's get into the hadith. The first thing that we want to notice about this hadith, which is really fascinating, that these Sahaba come and start to complain to the Prophet about what? Listen to the complaint. Are they complaining, hey, why are all these rich people allowed to keep their money? Why don't we have a better system like, uh, let's say, a different system like communism, let's say, where, you know, you as the Prophet, you demand that you take their wealth and, and then you distribute it amongst everybody so that, you know, everybody has equal... No, they're not complaining about money. Imagine this, they're, they're not interested in saying, why aren't we getting more money? Why aren't we all equal? Why does that guy have a nice house? Why does that guy have a nice shirt? Why does that guy have a nice ride? Why does this guy have a nice car? None, none of this. They're not complaining about the difference in wealth in terms of luxury and lifestyle. All they're complaining about is what? They're saying these people are wealthy and because of that they can give sadaqah that we can't. They're not thinking about the receiving end. They're thinking about the giving end. This in and of itself, subhanAllah, should make us appreciate how the Sahaba, they were not the type of people that were materialistically oriented. They were not, Islam was a, is a deen that subhanAllah, it removes this materialistic attitude that causes 
class warfare, or you could say uh, a class conflict or class struggle. Basically, the, the battle between the rich and the poor. Why? Because everybody realizes that, listen, this is not the end-all, be-all. The ajr that you can get from it, that's what I'm concerned about. The money itself, whatever. They don't seem concerned at all. SubhanAllah, how amazing is that? And furthermore, why? Because the Prophet used to teach them, and we see many different ahadith in which the Prophet is teaching them what? That wealth is actually something to be afraid of. Not that you shouldn't achieve it. Not that it's evil to, to, to pursue for the, for, for the right causes. But that the Prophet says what? فَوَاللَّهِ مَلْ فَقْرَ أَخْشَى عَلَيْكُمْ I swear by Allah, it is not poverty that I fear for you. And then he goes on to say, rather I'm afraid that you will become ri- that riches will come to you and then you're going to start uh, you know, competing for it and then vying for it and then start hating each other because of it and so on and so forth as is mentioned in Sahih Muslim. So subhanAllah, this attitude has been so instilled in the Sahaba that when they're complaining about a problem, the problem isn't why is there differences in wealth? Why is there differences in sadaqah? I want to give like they give. How can, I, how can I keep up? SubhanAllah, you have to appreciate the question even before we get the answer. You have to appreciate the question because in it there is a real indication as to their mentality, subhanAllah. Yes, this by the way does, isn't the only time that this type of incident happened. It wasn't just with regards to giving sadaqah, it's also with regards to jihad. And it was so special that subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed ayat about it that we know that when certain sahaba they want to go for battle but they couldn't find a ride to take them to the battle and the Prophet had to turn them away and say, I'm sorry, I don't have a ride for you. Allah Ta'ala records and says, وَلَا عَلَى الَّذِينَ إِذَا مَا أَتَوْا لِتَحْمِلَهُمْ قُلْتَ لَا أَجِدُ مَا أَحْمِلُكُمْ مَا أَحْمِلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ تَوَلَّوْا وَأَعْيُنُهُمْ تَفِيضُوا مِنَ الدَّمْعَ حَزَنًا أَنْ لَا يَجِدُوا مَا يُنْفِقُونَ That there is no blame upon those who, when they came to you that you might give them a mount, give them some sort of a ride so they could go to, to fight in, in battle, you said to them, I cannot find anything for you to ride upon. They turned their back, they, they, turned their, they, turned, uh, they turned their back while their eyes overflowed with tears. Imagine this. Out of grief that they could not find something to spend for the cause of Allah. They were crying, why? Because they couldn't go to war. SubhanAllah, think about this. Think about us today. If somebody said, you have to go to war, we'd be crying to go. <laughs> what? I don't know, oh, mommy, you know, holding on. Don't, I don't want to go, right? Let's be real. They're crying because they're told, listen, I'm sorry, you don't have the, you don't, we don't have the means to support you. You have to bring your own wealth. And they're like, can't I find any sort of sadaqah to give me a ride so I can go? I just, I don't want to be the only one that doesn't fight peace of Allah. SubhanAllah, what about the ajr? What about the importance of, of standing up for this deen? What about those who sacrifice for the sake of Allah? I'm going to be left behind with the women and children? What is this? So this would be a shame. SubhanAllah, so Allah Ta'ala records this as well. We have to remember that there's so many ayat when it comes to competing for good. Again, they're not competing for money. They're competing for good that as a result of giving that wealth. There's how many ayat? فَاسْتَبِقُوا uh, الْخَيْرَاتِ Allah says, so race one another in good. Allah says, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَى مَغْفِرَةٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ That hasten to the forgiveness of your Lord. سَارِعُوا uh, and, and سَابِقُوا And different ayat like this that say race and rush and compete with one another to, towards the forgiveness of your Lord. And Allah Ta'ala, after describing paradise, Allah says, وَفِي ذَلِكَ compete and so many different ayat along these lines that if I see somebody else doing something amazing I should ask myself why am I not doing that why is he capable and I'm not what is wrong with me right and subhanAllah I'll be honest with you actually uh, myself and, and Ziad we just recently went and visited a, a women's shelter uh, and, and subhanAllah it was a real eye-opening event for us we spent like what was it two and a half hours three hours something like that uh, just 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 visiting and getting the whole tour it's a huge facility and they're doing amazing work. They really are. And, and it's, it's truly remarkable how much, because anyway, there's a whole lot of information that we can go into. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but subhanAllah, this, this idea of uh, uh, you know, sex trafficking and, and, and kidnapping people and, and so forth, it's a huge problem. And subhanAllah, when you take a look and, and see what these different 
religious groups are doing to combat it and fight with it, it makes me wonder, well, where, why, why don't we have, why, why aren't we doing something about this? You know, this is, this is the attitude of the believer. That, yes, of course, with your brothers, you want to compete in Islam, of course. And obviously, we don't believe, that, I mean, it's a Christian organization. We don't believe that they're on guidance. But they are doing something noteworthy and noble. And so, why should they be out, outpacing us when it comes to this? Why should they be uh, superseding us in this regard? SubhanAllah. So, so, we should have this attitude and we should get to know what's happening around us, whether it be within the Muslim community or even outside, just to get some motivation to say, if they can do it, why can't I? This should be the attitude, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimullah, has a nice quote. He says, إِذَا رَأَيْتَ النَّاس يَتَنَافَسُونَ عَلَى الدُّنْيَا فَنَافِسْهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ فَإِنَّهَا تَذْهَبُ دُنْيَاهُمْ وَتَبْقَ الْآخِرَةِ When you see people competing for this world, then compete, for, compete with them in the, for the afterlife. When you see people rushing for the dunya, then that should motivate you to compete for the akhirah. Why? Because their world of theirs is going to go away, but the akhirah is what's going to remain. Wuhayb ibn al-Warad, rahimahullah, he says what? إن استطعت ألا يسبقك إلى الله أحد ففعل. Beautiful, simple quote. He says, if you can ensure that nobody supersedes you towards Allah, then do so. If you can, if you can be the type of person that makes sure that nobody's going to beat me when it comes to racing towards Allah subhanahu wa taala, then do that. Don't let. If you can do it, don't let anybody beat you. Be number one. That should be your attitude. Some of the salaf they would say what? لو أن رجلا سمع برجل أطوع لله منه some of the Salaf would say, if somebody hears that another person has done more for Allah's sake than him, I heard that there's been more done for Allah's sake than what I have done. Some other person did more than me. And his heart were to break, and it would cause him to die, this would not be a strange thing. That's the quote. Even if this person became, I don't know, so depressed that they just collapsed. They had a heart attack, let's say, whatever the case is. They just couldn't take it. They're like, this, shouldn't, this is not strange. Why would it be strange? Why should you feel okay with other people beating you? You should feel like, no, I should step up. So subhanAllah, very, there's many different quotes like this uh, uh, from amongst our righteous predecessors. Now it's very important to recognize that when the Sahaba listed the different actions, they said, they pray like we pray, they fast like we fast, but they give charity and we can't give charity. Now what you'll notice about these three things is that these are the obvious rituals. These are part of the five pillars, right? Salah, Siyam, and, 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 and well, Zakah, but it's both Zakah and Sadaqah, but still the concept of charity. These are very obvious acts of, of, of worship, right? And what's interesting is that the Prophet responds by things that are more subtle, things that are more lifestyle oriented. And this type of conversation happens all the time. When somebody says, what am I supposed to be worshiping all the time? My answer is yes, but you need to change your concept of worship. Worshiping all the time doesn't mean you're always giving Sadaqah, always praying Salah and only fasting. Doesn't mean that. Worshipping all, all the time means that you have good character all the time, that you make dhikrullah as much as you can, that you are you making dua as much as you can, and you're doing small kindnesses throughout the day. This is what it means to be good at all times, and therefore always pleasing Allah Ta'ala, and always in a state of worship. And so you find that the answer that the Prophet gives is very much in line with that, saying that there's lots of things that you might be overlooking that should be part of your lifestyle. So don't look at worship as rituals. Even though, of course, those rituals are important, look at worship as a lifestyle that should be performed at all times. So let's get into the answer. First, the Prophet responds and says, Hasn't Allah already given you a way to give sadaqah? Now, what could this be a reference to? Wallahu alam, but this could be a reference to so many other ahadith that maybe he said some of them, or maybe even all of them, prior to this moment. So Allah alam, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna uh, say with, with certainty which ahadith came first and which didn't, but still there are many different ahadith from the Prophet where he's clearly teaching the Sahaba the different definitions of sadaqah. For example, the Prophet said what? In, these are different ahadith, not, not this particular one, but still. The Prophet said in another instance, 
كُلُّ مَعْرُوفٍ صَدَقَةً Every type of good deed is a sadaqah, is a charity. The Prophet said what? تَبَسُّمُكَ فِي وَجْهِ أَخِيكَ لَكَ صَدَقَةً That smiling in the face of your brother, just being kind and being positive to somebody, it makes them feel good. This is a kind of sadaqah. And also, وَإِرْشَادُكَ الرَّجُلَ فِي أَرْضِ الضَّلَالِ لَكَ صَدَقَةً When you guide somebody who's lost, hey, excuse me, do you know the right direction to here? Oh yeah, no problem, just take a left, take a right. This is sadaqah. Then, وَبَصَرُكَ لِلرَّجُلِ الرَّدِيءَ الْبَصَرِ لَكَ صَدَقَةً When you help somebody whose sight is not very good, somebody maybe elder in age, they can't see very well, you help them along the way, this is considered a sadaqah. وَإِمَاطَتُكَ الْحَجَرِ وَالشَّوْكَ وَالْعَظَمِ And removing from the path, removing from the path, uh, whether it be a rock or a thorn or a bone, this is also like a sadaqah, this is also a charity for you. وَإِفْرَاهُكَ مِنْ دَلْوِكَ فِي دَلْوِ أَخِيكَ لَكَ صَدَقَةً And taking your bucket and pouring it into the bucket of your brother. So you know, you guys are both getting some water, don't worry, let me help you out, let me, let me, fit, let me top it off for you. Just helping a guy out. These are very much what? Day-to-day -day things. You're all walking on the street, you see a stick on the way, you kick it out of the way, make sure nobody trips. Oh, do you need some help? Let me help you along the way. Hey, you need a little bit more water? Don't think that ibadah or sadaqah is restricted to the obvious ritualistic acts, even though of course those are important, but it could be the small things every single day, and this can all be considered sadaqah as well. The Prophet says also what? مَا مِنْ مُسْلِمٍ يَغْرِسُ غَرْسًا أَوْ يَزْرَعُ زَرْعًا فَيَأْكُلُ مِنْهُ طَيْرٌ أَوْ إِنسَانٌ أَوْ بَهِيمَةٌ إِلَّا كَانَ لَهُ بِهِ صَدَقَةً That a Muslim never plants a tree or cultivates land except that when a bird or a man or a beast eats out of it, then that is considered a charity on his behalf. Anytime you plant anything, subhanAllah, what a, what a beautiful deen that we have telling us to be more green, you know, better for the planet, plant more things, and then everything that benefits, inshallah ta'ala, this is all sadaqah, imagine all the little ants and so on and so forth, everything benefiting, inshallah ta'ala, this is for you, sadaqah. Then the Prophet makes the next statement, and says what? Now he's clarifying. إِنَّ بِكُلِّ تَسْبِيحَةٍ صَدَقَةٍ Every time you say subhanAllah, every time you say alhamdulillah, every time you say Allahu Akbar, every time you say la ilaha illallah, all these statements, and it's very interesting that these four come up in this particular hadith. That these four, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, akbar. I've talked about this before, but just briefly to remind everybody. SubhanAllah means what? Allah is high above any imperfections. And the implication is what? You're removing any negative thoughts about Allah Ta'ala when you say SubhanAllah. Anytime you're like, oh, maybe God's being unfair to me. Maybe I don't deserve to be going through this. I should have more of this. Why does he have that and I don't? Any, any ideas like this, when you say SubhanAllah, you're saying Allah is high removed from any sort of negative thoughts. Alhamdulillah is what? It's the opposite. Instead of denying the negative, it's affirmation of the positive. You're saying, Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to Allah, as in every good thing ultimately returns back to Allah. Everything that I think is beautiful, nice, kind, intelligent, smart, whatever the case is, any positive, it all goes back to Allah. La ilaha illallah implies what? That this belongs to nobody except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nobody else that shares in this, this, that having no negatives and all positives. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah. And then finally, whatever idea that you've conjured up in your mind, you say, Allahu Akbar. Whatever idea I have, it's still not enough. Allah is greater than that. Allah is still greater and greater and greater than whatever I can imagine. So when you have these four in a row, subhanAllah, it's almost like a recalibration of the mind. It's like you're recalibrating your mind to understand who Allah Ta'ala is, remove any negative, attribute all positive, make it completely and alone for Allah, and still say that Allah is greater than whatever I'm thinking. So these four, subhanAllah, they're very powerful. But then this, therein lies a question. Everything else prior to this I mentioned as a sadaqah, it made a lot of sense. If you remove a stone from the path, then somebody doesn't trip, you're doing kindness to them. If you show somebody the way, right, then you're doing sadaqah, you're doing charity for them. And so on and so forth. All the points that I mentioned, it had to do with somebody else. But in this particular one, it has only to do with yourself. So this begs the question, why is it that saying subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, when this is just for me, this is between me and my Lord, I'm making, I'm making these tasbihat, I'm making these glorifications and praises of Allah, 
Why is it considered sadaqah when the word sadaqah means a charity as in I'm giving to somebody else? Two ways of answering this question. Answer number one is that self-improvement is setting a good example and will benefit others in the long run. That's one possibility. That possibly because as you improve your iman, you're becoming a better example and therefore you are sadaqah to others. That's one possible answer. There's a second answer, however, which is what? That charity can be for oneself as well. It can be that you give charity to everybody, but you also are charitable and kind and, and do goodness for yourself. Self-care, as they might use the common term now, nowadays. But yes, this is con considered a form of sadaqah. And this goes in line with the hadith in which the Prophet says what? تَكُفُّ شَرَّكَ عَنِ النَّاسِ فَإِنَّهَا صَدَقَةٌ مِنْكَ عَلَى نَفْسِكَ That refrain from doing evil to others, that is a charity from you upon yourself. By staying away from evil, it's a charity from you for your own self. Why? Because you're not getting yourself in the problems, you're not receiving more and more ithim, more and more and more sins, and therefore, subhanAllah, you're actually being charitable to yourself and also uh, you're, you're, you're benefiting society. What's the next portion? Then the Prophet goes on to describe what else can be sadaqah. وَأَمْرٌ بِالْمَعَرُوفِ صَدَقَةٌ وَالنَّهْيٌ عَنِ مُنْكَرٍ In joining good and forbidding evil, both of them are sadaqah. This is so powerful. Imagine this, I want you to really think about this. These wealthy people, they're giving large amounts of money. Those who don't have any money, they're thinking, how can I get the ajr? If these guys are, are running off with all the ajr, and who knows, maybe this is relevant right now because alhamdulillah, we just put in a lot of money towards a big project. And maybe there are some people that are saying, subhanAllah, I heard during Ramadan, people saying, I'll give this many thousand, I'll give that many thousand. I couldn't give, right? I wish I could have given, but subhanAllah, I wanted to invest. That's, that's a serious investment. Every time somebody's making salah, every time somebody's making dua, those people are getting ajr. I wanted to be part of that. So this is a very valid jealousy. It's a healthy type of jealousy, the, the, the type that you don't want their blessing to decrease, but you want to compete with them in a good way. It's a very valid thing. Look at the response in this particular one. The Prophet says what? That enjoin good and forbid evil, this is a charity. You know what this reminds me of? I'm sure we're all very familiar with this, uh, 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 this uh, expression or this uh, idiom, or not idiom, what's it called? Proverb. What says what? If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. SubhanAllah, think about it. When you give sadaqah, let's say somebody's hungry. And you give him sadaqah. Yes, that money can help him in the short term, but then the money's going to become depleted. But if you give da'wah, if you enjoin good, forbid evil, help that person develop a better lifestyle, help them get rid of their addictions, help them learn something of benefit, learn the, uh, uh, the, the, the importance and the value of education, which is what our deen teaches us, right? If you instill all these beautiful qualities, you're not giving the man a fish, you're actually teaching a man to fish, and now he can earn on his own inshallah ta'ala and live a better lifestyle that's going to bring in more barakah bi'ithnillah ta'ala. So it seems that this quote or this idea is very fitting in this case. That you're worried that you're not getting the ajr because they gave money, then go give da'wah. Why? Because you might have an even bigger effect on the human being. Giving the guy money is beautiful. It's, a, it's, 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 it's kind, it's charitable, it's, it's amazing. But imagine if you change his heart. Imagine if by the will of Allah ta'ala you can actually reach out to him and affect them in a powerful way and change their whole life course. Which one's worth more? A few dollars that will deplete or a whole lifestyle change? So never belittle the power of da'wah. So for those of you who you know, saw how much, mashallah, how much money was donated for this new big building and you're saying, I wish I could you know, get involved. Well, I'm trying to, inshallah ta'ala, give you an idea. Well, it's not my idea. The Prophet was saying what? That what? Da'wah is a very viable means. Always be enjoining good, encouraging good, and forbidding evil bi'ithnillah ta'ala. And what's also important is, our attitude towards da'wah should not be about how to argue so you can win. In this, it's being called sadaqah. In this hadith, it's being called sadaqah. You should think when I'm giving da'wah to somebody, I'm, this, is charity. this is charity work I'm doing. So that attitude, it's going to increase your level of rahmah, inshallah. Then the last portion of the hadith says what? وَفِي بُضْعِ أَحَدِكُمْ صَدَقَةً And in a man's 
The word budu' can mean uh, uh, intercourse, but it can also mean the uh, female private parts. That's the technical term of it. But when it says, ahadikum," in the, in the context, what it implies is when you, you know, uh, have intercourse with basically your wives, this can even be a sadaqah. And then they were curious about this. They said, Ya Rasulullah, ayati ahaduna. Is it possible that one of us, we go to fulfill our desires and we get ajr for it? So this is really fascinating. Notice that the Prophet is making a statement and they are quickly asking for a clarification. The first thing that most of us don't realize and don't notice is that the Prophet didn't object to their, quest, their request for clarification. This is a very, very important point. Everything was making sense to them and then one thing didn't really make much sense to them. They were like, I don't get it. So they immediately said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't get it. How does that make sense? It wasn't like, hey, I'm the messenger of Allah. This is revelation. You have no, you have no right to question. Don't you know that Allah's wisdom is beyond your wisdom? So never ask another question in your life and have a little respect. Didn't happen like that. The Prophet very beautifully said, oh, you want a nice example? And look at the explanation. Goes right into the head, mashallah. The explanation is so clear that you're like, oh, yeah, now I get it. It's perfectly clear. It's so beautiful. So what does this show? This is teaching us a very important lesson. The permissibility of asking scholars to clarify their rulings. If Sheikh so-and-so says, this is the hukum, this is the, revel- this is the, this is the ruling, and somebody says, can you explain? No, he, he, he's, not, he's not supposed to say, hey, don't ask me. I'm a sheikh. I know better. No, 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 no. If you have a ruling, it's not because it's coming from your feelings. It's coming from, you know, textual evidence. That's how we work in, in our deen, alhamdulillah. So that's a very important point. Another very important point is that there is no concept of taboo uh, or sexuality being taboo in our deen. Alhamdulillah, uh, we know that, yes, of course, obviously outside of marriage is considered haram, but inside of marriage, alhamdulillah, there's no concept like the Catholics, they have this idea of a necessary evil. Like, oh, well, when a man is with his wife, they have to do so for procreation purposes, but those who are truly pure, like the priests and the nuns, they never get married because that, that preserves their chastity because, you know, it's a necessary sin, so they, they abstain from that. We don't have that concept. Alhamdulillah, a sheikh can marry, <laughs> alhamdulillah, and he can have as many kids as he wants because there's no concept of, oh, well, he's the holy one, he shouldn't be having intercourse. Of course, no, it doesn't work like that. And subhanAllah, I mean, we don't need to go into detail, but I'm sure we all know the scandalous nature of those people who live that lifestyle. Look, something's going to bust. It, it, you know, like in the sense that, like, if, if a human being is hardwired to have certain needs met, and then you deny that for a, you know, a lifetime, to me, it's not that shocking if something in the head breaks, <laughs> you know? And then they start doing things with children and so on and so forth. This to me is not... It's not, it's not that shock. I mean, it's horrible. It's disgusting. It's, and may Allah Ta'ala protect all of us. I mean, Ya Rab. But I'm just saying that it, but they, they are denying something that Allah Ta'ala designed. And so the fact that there is repercussions in some other way is not to me, it, to me is not the most um, shocking thing. To me, it's, it's rather um, almost expected or expectable or, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, so this hadith is in line with another hadith in which the Prophet says what? نَفَقَةُ الرَّجُلِ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ صَدَقَةً That a man's spending on his family is indeed a charity. So you're supposed to uh, 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 spend on your family and it is considered a charity for you. Now, a question comes up. This is a very common question that a person might ask the question, okay, well, wait a second. <clears throat> Are you saying that when I'm going to approach my wife, you know, I should be thinking with the intention, Ya Allah, this is to please you. Because honestly, sometimes I'm just attracted to my wife and I just want to do what I got to do, right? So um, that's not on my mind. So there's some discussion between scholars back and forth about whether the intention has to be there from the beginning or whether the fact that you got married in order to protect yourself from zina is sufficient. And so, wallahu ta'ala alam, there's a nice quote from Abu Sulaiman al-Darani, rahimahullah. I think he says it very nicely when he says, and wallahu alam, this, this seems to be valid to me. He says, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلَ خَيْرٍ مِنْ غَيْرِ نِيَّةٍ 
كفاهُ نيةُ اختيارِه للإسلام على غيره من الأديان فظاهرُ هذا أنه يثابُ عليه من غيرِ نيةٍ بالكلية لأنه بدخوله في الإسلام مختار لأعمال الخير في الجملة فيثاب على كل عمل يعمله منها بتلك النية He says whoever does a good deed without the intent without necessarily intending to do good like he wasn't, he wasn't consciously saying Ya Allah this for your sake but he's still doing the good deed He says his intention to choose Islam over all other religions will suffice him The evidence for this is that he's rewarded for it comprehensively by his entering Islam, he chose Islamic good deeds. He chose good deeds that are Islamic in nature, all inclusively. So he's rewarded for each deed he does through that original intent. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam bisawab. So I'll give an analogy. Hopefully this will make things clear. Imagine if you have a very noble intention of digging a well for those who are in need of you know, clean water, a well. Okay, so you go to this, let's say, village and they don't have water. You know there's a well here, so you start digging. So your initial intention is for the sake of Allah. But then as you're digging, is it possible to maintain your intention? Ya Allah, this is for you. Ya Allah, this is for you. each strike of the dirt. You're saying, Ya Allah, this is for your sake. It's most likely that your intention is going to start to shift because, not, not that your intention is going to shift, but that your thought process is going to go from, oh man, I just hit a rock, and oh, I got to avoid these roots, and where am I going to throw the dirt? And you're not going to be thinking about Allah Ta'ala the entire time, is my point. It's natural that your mind is going to go here, and oh man, I'm kind of thirsty, and oh man, I almost slipped there. You, you know, your, your head's going to go all over the place. So the question is, are you not getting ajr? for each and every scoop because you're not thinking about Allah the whole time. And so I think this uh, quote by Abu Sulaiman Ad-Darani rahimahullah is quite good. He's saying, listen, the fact that you started with the initial intent, that covers the whole thing, right? You started with this intent and now you're just progressing. You're just continuing along doing the job. But you know why you're doing the job. It's not like you're confused as to why you're doing it. You're just not thinking about it every second, right? So inshallah ta'ala, the whole thing is covered. Now, that doesn't change the fact that every moment that you do think, Ya Allah, I'm doing this for your sake. Ya Allah, I'm shoveling, Ya Allah, so that you forgive me, so that you, you guide me. If you do, do, do that extra, inshallah ta'ala, your ajr goes up and up and up and up. The more and more you purify your intention, inshallah, the better and better it is. So subhanAllah, this is the attitude we should take. And same thing with uh, approaching one's wife. You approach the wife because you, your, your wife because you have desire, right? Well, why, do, why are you married to begin with? Well, I, did, I, I wanted to be with her, but I didn't want to do it in a haram way. Okay, khalas. I mean, inshallah, inshallah, there's ajr in that. The fact alone that you're married, the fact alone that you, you did the nikah so that it could be halal, avoiding the haram, not getting to Allah's displeasure, but staying within Allah's pleasure, this in and of itself, inshallah, there's ajr for it. But then the question is, couldn't you also, in addition to that, say, I'm going to go to her, Ya Allah, to make sure that we have a good relationship, that there's love in the family, that we show affection to one another. And Ya Allah, for your sake, Maybe we'll have a child, and maybe that child, will be, we'll, we'll, we'll try our best to raise that child in Islam. Inshallah, ajr upon ajr upon ajr, bi'ithnillah. So this is the hope, that you always try to refine and improve your intent no matter what you're doing. Concluding remarks, inshallah.